Runoff, a crime novel about election fraud, evokes a curious timelessness of classic detective fiction. A noir gem, says Mystery Scene Magazine. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. Chapter 17, Doctor's Orders The rest of the video showed me getting clobbered and stepped on by Diego, but ended before I turned the tables and began to massage his internal organs. I thanked Salize for the information and the DVDs and went out of the tankeria to walk back to my car. I had covered three blocks and was trying to shake off another ice cream vendor when my cell phone rang. I patted the bulge in my jacket. My agent, I said to the vendor, excuse me. He shrugged microscopically and pushed his cart past me, bumping over tree roots that had split the sidewalk. You just saved me from orange creamsicle overdose, I said after I pressed the talk button. The thing I like about you, August, said Gretchen, is that you always manage to entertain yourself. Entertainment begins at home, and sometimes it stays there. You cut me to the quick. What's up? There's a Miss Lisa Lee waiting for you in the office, and if she's any relation to the dragon lady, she looks, well, less dragony than I expected. I put a hand out to lean against the purple-leaf plum whose roots were doing a number on the sidewalk. Gretchen and I had broken up more than five years ago but sometimes it seemed like five months. She is the reigning Miss Chinatown. Gretchen made a little growling noise. I'd heard something to that effect. Do you know if the pageant included a skimpy yoga outfit competition in addition to the swimsuit one? Or how about best headlights? Her nipples are sticking out so far you could hang tinsel off them. Well... You know how cold it gets in the office. Yes, and that's why I don't come in wearing yoga outfits. I suggest you get over here as soon as possible. In the meantime, I'll call the super to dial up the heat. I said, good idea. But she'd already hung up. I jogged back to the Galaxy 500 and barreled north on Folsom through the Mission District, turning up Fifth Street to plunge across Market a block down from my office which was in the flood building near the cable car turnaround. I shared the suite on the 12th floor with an insurance agent named Ben Boniker, but he wasn't at his desk in the outer office. Gretchen most assuredly was at her desk, which was just a few feet from my office door. She sat rigidly on her chair, hammering the keyboard to her computer with a Queen Victoria, we are not amused expression on her face. Not that she looked anything like Victoria. She had shoulder-length auburn hair, lightly freckled skin, and eyes of a gorgeous cornflower blue, which, seen without makeup, looked touchingly like those of a young child. Along with her black expression, she wore a black Chanel pantsuit that I knew for a fact had set her urologist boyfriend back a couple of grand.
Took your sweet time getting here, didn't you? Was her opening salvo. Had to stop for the tinsel. That earned me a fractional smile, but it vanished quickly as she caught sight of my torn jacket and the bloodstain wicking across the front of my dress shirt. You did it again, didn't you? When are you going to stop getting yourself beat up? And don't you dare say, you should see the other guy. Well, you should see today's guy. Last night's guy is probably telling his secretary to see me. She broke eye contact and laid her hands carefully on the keyboard. When she spoke again, her voice had an undertone of restrained urgency. I told you, you need to be careful. There's something very wrong about this case. You're right, Gretchen, I said, and I knew that she was. She nodded without looking up and unleashed a fusillade of typing. Is Lisa still in there then? I had to raise my voice to be heard over the keystrokes. Another nod. Boniker's in there, too, so you better hurry unless you want another death on your hands. Boniker's, that is. I smiled and turned to push the door open. Lisa sat in the client's chair across from my desk. I couldn't claim that Gretchen had described her appearance inaccurately. She was wearing a Lycra exercise outfit and had a rolled yoga mat by her feet but she was also wearing a partially zippered warm-up, and if her nipples were protruding, it would take some more unzippering for me to see. Boniker sat in my swivel chair with his hands behind his head and his feet dirtying my blotter. Fat, ruddy-faced, and possessing a dandelion-like nimbus of snow-white hair and beard, he winked at me as I came in the room, but continued what he'd been saying to Lisa. And that's why whole life instead of term life is one of the smartest investments you can make. You really should consider it, even a youngster like you. The sooner you start, the better. Hi, Ben, I said amiably. As far as I'm concerned, the sooner you get your fanny out of my chair, the better. Boniker unclasped his hands and slid his feet off the desk, dragging the blotter and a pen and pencil set with him. He stood amid a cacophony of squeaks from my decrepit swivel chair and grinned at Lisa like this was all part of the Jerry and Dean act we put on for anyone who stopped by. That August, he said when things had stopped tumbling and squeaking, he's a son of a gun. I simply pointed at the door. Lisa sat with her hands covering her mouth until I'd slammed it behind him, and then she burst out laughing. He must have trotted out every slimy sales line I've ever heard. Yeah, Ben's a real cockroach whisperer. But forget him. To what do I owe the pleasure of your company? Not a yoga session, I hope, because I'm much more of a Pilates man myself. If you've tried either, I'll eat my mat. The truth is I belong to a club on Market Street, and when I finished my class, I realized how close I must be to your office and decided to drop by. You weren't here, but your admin was very sweet and insisted she could conjure you up. I walked over to the desk and sat on the edge of it. Lisa had her hair pulled back with an elastic band, and that, coupled with the yoga duds, gave her a wholesome, pixiest look that was quite different than the elegant, tuxedoed one she'd had the night before. Different, but no less attractive. Sweet, I said, is not the first adjective that comes to mind for Gretchen. 
Lisa's eyes dropped to my midsection and she frowned. You're bleeding again. I pulled my jacket over to cover the bloodstain. It's nothing. I got in a little tussle and the bandage loosened. A few napkins from a burrito place and I was good as new. Napkins from a burrito place? I should never have let you talk the emergency room doctor out of stitches. It's too easy for the wound to reopen. I don't like needles. And besides, this makes for a much more interesting scar. Lisa jumped to her feet. Take off your shirt. What? You heard me. Take off your shirt. I want to see the wound. I vapor locked for a moment. Then the nickel dropped. I keep forgetting you're an MD. But you can't examine me here. This is my office for Pete's sake. What if someone walked in? That's easily remedied. She strode over to the door and pushed the button lock down. You have anything other than napkins to use as bandages? If not, we'll send your admin out for some. I almost passed a kidney stone. Christ, no. Don't get her involved. There's a bunch of junk in the cabinet above the sink. But is this really necessary? Lisa came back to the desk and reached over to take my jacket lapels, all businesslike. You could get an infection if you're not careful, and look at it from my perspective. You risk your life to help me. Don't you think I'd appreciate an opportunity to do something for you? I shrugged out of the jacket and let her pull it from my shoulders. All right, but no needles. The most I'll go for is some Bactine and adhesive tape. She grinned at me while she loosened my tie. I was planning to sterilize the wound with some booze from the office bottle. I'm not wasting my good bourbon on that. But since you brought it up, I wanted to ask you again about last night. I found the men who tried to kidnap you. She paused while folding my tie. And? And they, or more specifically Tony Squidboy Wu, told me that it was all wrapped up in a dispute they had with your mother that they were going to use you as a bargaining chip. Lisa put the folded tie on the desk. Did they tell you anything else? Yes, Wu said he had resolved the dispute. There are some things my mother does that I'm not proud of, August. Associating with Mr. Wu is one of them. But you can't be a force in Chinatown without dealing with him at some point, even if your business is 100% legitimate. And is your mother's 100% legitimate? Yes, and so is much of Mr. Wu's. But that doesn't mean he won't resort to intimidation. My mother is involved in a real estate transaction with him, and they were haggling over the amount of a scheduled payment. Mother's interpretation of the contract called for a payment of a certain amount. Mr. Wu's interpretation required a much larger sum. My mother agreed to pay the larger number this morning. Then she sent you down here to tell me to lay off Wu. Yes, I mean no, August. She leaned over to kiss my cheek and then brought her finger up to smooth a frown line that was creasing my forehead. I came because I care about you. Wu is not someone you want to tangle with. My mother was going to call you and tell you about settling with him so you wouldn't be diverted from investigating the election. Since I was coming here anyway, I volunteered to play messenger. So now I know. Yes, now you know. But what about the letter bomb? Did your mom tell you anything about that? Lisa wagged a finger at me. You're trying to distract me. I'm done with messengering. 
Stand up and let's get you over by the sink. Turns out a lot of doctoring comes down to adroit use of soap and water. I stood and peeled off my shirt and then walked self-consciously over to the sink. Lisa gasped when she saw the plaster of dried blood and tankeria napkins stuck to my side. She dabbed water on the napkins so they would slough off without shredding, and then made little disapproving clucking noises as she used a hand towel Gretchen had bought to gently scrub the area. This is much deeper than I thought, August, and the edges are already pink from infection, she swore, and I can't keep the water from seeping into your waistband. You better take off your trousers. Uh, okay, but I'm drawing the line there. Relax, I've seen it all before. She yanked at my belt to unbuckle it and deftly unzipped my fly. My pants fell in a bunch around my ankles like drapery at a statue unveiling. Lisa giggled. Let me take that back. I've not seen boxers with little Tommy guns and the slogan, Hot Shot, stenciled on them before. A gift from a satisfied client. I'll bet. Now let's see what you're packing, she said. And when I rushed my hands to my groin, she added, in the medicine cabinet, hot shot, in the medicine cabinet. She pulled open the mirror door and ducked her head behind it to rummage inside. You're better equipped than I expected. I beg your pardon? We'll take some of this and a few of these. She set a tube of antibacterial ointment on the wash basin, followed by a box of butterfly closures. And one or two of these and a whole lot of this. A box of sterile dressing pads and a roll of tape appeared next to the other items. It's too bad you don't have any of that new liquid adhesive they make to close cuts. After stitches, that would be the next best option. Hello, what's this? She reappeared from behind the medicine cabinet door with a strip of rubbers in her hand. Uh, oh, I mumbled. Those. Another gift from a satisfied client? No, and I'm sure they're expired by now. Lisa grinned and examined one of the packages carefully. No, as a matter of fact, they're still under warranty. You're covered for another five years. And the even better news is, you're covered in the magnum size. I looked down at my bare chest, my hairy legs, and my pants in a bunch on the floor, and then back up to Lisa, who was almost vibrating with mirth. If Mr. Webster ever needed help with the definition of mortified, I had some good ideas. Well, that's certainly a relief. I'll sleep sounder tonight knowing that, and knowing that you know it too, Doc. Well, I'm not actually licensed yet, but I can still practice on you. She squeezed out some of the ointment and dabbed it carefully around the edges of the cut. Then she used a couple of the butterfly closures to pull the edges together and pressed a sterile pad on the top. She finished by anchoring everything with adhesive tape. Nothing she did hurt, and her movements were gentle and assured, almost like they were part of a ritualized ceremony. The whole thing had a sort of hypnotic, seductive effect on me, and I let myself forget my circumstances. When her hand moved over my side as she pressed the tape against my skin, I realized too late that I was starting to get an erection. An erection that the thin cotton of the boxer shorts did very little to conceal. 
Any hope that my condition had gone unnoticed was dashed when Lisa gave me a flirty, up-from-the-eyelashes look as she stepped back to admire her handiwork. Golly, it looks like you're better already. I nearly singed the hair on my legs, pulling my pants back up. I fumbled with the zipper of my fly. Yeah, a little too good. Hold on, she said. I'm not finished. She went around to the front of the desk and cleared the few remaining items Boniker hadn't knocked off, and then bent to retrieve her yoga mat. She snapped it out over the desktop like she was spreading a picnic blanket. Then she patted the middle of it. Hop up here. I gripped the front of my trousers like an old lady gripping her purse handles. Sure about that? Lisa weaved a sinuous path back around the desk, shucking off her warm-up as she came. She put a cool hand in the middle of my chest and shoved me back towards the waiting yoga mat. I retreated until the back of my thighs hit the edge of the desk, and then she took her hand away and reached up to peel her leotard all the way down to her waist. There wasn't anything underneath but skin. I swallowed and let go of my pants once more. The belt buckle hit the floor with a loud clang. I'll take that as a yes. Aren't we worried about reopening the wound? She slipped into my arms. Don't worry, hotshot. Just leave the driving to me. The last thing I remember thinking before I kissed her was that Gretchen had been right about the tinsel. You have been listening to Runoff, a book hard-boiled great James Crumley described as a smart, funny, spooky, often touching, always entertaining romp. Find it in ebook or trade paperback wherever books are sold. In this podcast, it's read by author Mark Coggins. Learn more about Mark and his other novels at markcoggins.com. <laughs>